Good morning, church. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful. Lord, that you allow us, Father, to enter into the very throne room of heaven. God, that our access has been granted through the shed blood of Christ. God, we thank you for your spirit that moves among us, Lord, and we continue to, Lord, just enter into this time, Lord, and we pray, God, that you would do whatever you want to do in each of our lives. God, we pray, Lord, that we might enter into this time, Lord, with, God, whatever things we we have weighing on us, Lord, we pray, God, that we truly would lay those at your feet today, Lord, and that we would respond to whatever next step that you would call us to, that we'd respond in surrender and obedience. Lord, may you be glorified and magnified. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we pray, Lord, that you would reveal to us your will through your word, and we're reminded, God, that we can't have your will without your word, God, and we God, we lean into that this morning. Father, we pray, God, for those that walk in uh, weary and heavy laden. God, we pray, Lord, that you would give rest. Lord, we love you. We thank you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We are in the midst of a message series called Promised Land. And as we walk through this series, we're reminded that the journey to the promised land is not uh, always easy. And we see that as we read the scriptures. If you are uh, joining in with us as we read uh, the scriptures this year, we encourage you, uh, if you haven't been doing that, just even jump in this week. You'll find uh, pray, uh, guides for that and the entrances. You'll see those online at the disciple page at Church. And, you know, we are in the midst of a world that is filled with bad reports. Have you noticed that? You know, it seems like everywhere we turn, there are uh, reports that are not Good, right? There's negativity that is all around, uh, even in the midst of things that we, uh, people that we see. You can go to a, a gas pump and it won't take very long to find uh, all of us maybe complaining about those moments, right? We, uh, and, and God has provided, right, all of our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And uh, we can uh, be grateful uh, or we can be uh, filled with complaining and filled with stress. And uh, someone sent me a video this week. It just reminded me of that, right? Just reminded me of that truth, right? That God uh, is providing and, and we are grateful for that. We're grateful for his goodness and his mercy. And then in the midst of kind of crazy times, we feel stress coming from all around. There's a pace that we seem to run at that can feel overwhelming. Uh, I've been reading a book called The Stressless Life. It's an interesting title, uh, it's a book called The Stressless Life by a pastor named Vance Pittman that I uh, like, and he is uh, writing in this book. And when I first read the words of it, and I, I was talking about it just a little bit with our staff as we were uh, just doing devotion and connecting together, and there's this thought, right, can we really have a stressless life? And as you process some of that, some of you are saying there's no way we can have a stressless Life, But I would argue that the scriptures would point us to this reality that we cannot have a life free of stressors, but the way that we respond can be a life that is reflective of his peace and his goodness and his mercy. Uh, in this book, he defines stress in a way that I love. He says this, Stress is fearful concern expressed when life's demands seem greater than my ability to meet them. And in the midst of this room, there are 
many people that are experiencing fearful concern. There are people that are uh, being weighed down with different things. I, I was reading on WebMD. Now, I would recommend that you not necessarily go there or you'll find something that's probably killing you. Like before the, like, like you know, if you, like my toe is kind of hurting this morning. Let me look that up. And you'll find a million different ways to die because your toe's hurting, right? It's like, so I'm not necessarily recommending going there, but it said this, then it was a, a few years back, uh, but it said 75 to 90% of all visits to the doctor's office are for stress-related ailments and complaints. Stress is linked to the six leading causes of death in the modern world, heart disease, cancer, lung ailments, accidents, cirrhosis of the liver, and suicide. Now we think about stressors and we would probably say that a lot of the stressors that are in our life, that they're not really that major. Like a lot of things that we find stress over are not really major things. I've been telling you about the uh, MVI drop-off saga. I always enjoy watching the cars drop off there and there's a right lane where the safe people are. And if you're in the left lane, I'm sorry, you should repent and move over. It's just my opinion. Okay. And so in the morning and the evening, you can kind of get in both lanes. That's how it's designed. And so like all the safe people, we're in the right-hand lane and we're, we're waiting on the, the cars to get in there. I mean, that's just how we roll. And then there's always somebody coming in hot on the left lane. And, and if that's you, I'm just kidding. Don't take it too serious. All right, relax. Okay. But seriously. And so we're watching and like this car is coming in hot. Now there's a big truck. I don't know if there's a big dude in the big truck, but there's a big truck. And I'm seeing this person coming in hot on the left and I'm waiting patiently for the drop-off line uh, to see Craig Kermay and, and whatever outfit is chosen for that day to greet the children, right? It's awesome. And so I'm watching in this car is coming in behind. Now this, this big truck kind of pulls over and blocks the lane. He's like, ain't having none of that. And then there's like three or four cars behind him that gets like two inches apart. And I'm watching in the rear view. I'm talking to Grant. I'm like, check this out. They're not having any of it. Like, cause I feel like doing that, right? Cause it's a stressor to me for whatever reason, but I can't. Like I got Cowie Baptist on my car. <laughs> like I, membership has its privileges. That ain't one of them, right? Like like, I got to be good, you know? And so, so I'm watching all that go down. I'm thinking, you know, it's really nothing major at all, right? But sometimes those minor things can be stressors uh, in our life, right? Some of it might be bills coming in. You might open those things and there's a stress that it creates. It might be the balance of school and work. It might be all kinds of different things in your life. But there's this reality that those things add up. And then sometimes there's things that are a much bigger deal, right? Maybe you have a medical situation. Maybe you're, uh, you've, you're facing cancer. Maybe you have a family member that's facing cancer. Maybe you've lost a loved one. Maybe you've lost a parent or a child or all of these kind of things. And then there's huge events all around us, right? There's wars and rumors of wars and there's things that are taking place. And we read the scriptures and there's a part of us that knows that these kind of things are going to happen, right? And then we know that, that, that there's some of those things that happen is the end there's, and, and we, we recognize all those things and, and they weigh on our minds, right? And all kinds of things, they move us to fearful concern. Now we think about those words and Pittman in his book talks about two kinds of concerns. He says there's a, a general concern that we can have and we have some things that we should be concerned about, right? We have some things uh, that are truly concerns, right? Now, all the things that are happening to us, those are stressors. And the way that we respond can be stress. And so we've got these genu genuine concerns. There's things that 
that uh, come at us. And, and there's kind of a different dependence when we think about them. So we have these concerns that are there. And in general concern, we say, you know what? I see all these things coming there, but I know that my God is mighty. And I just wonder, like I'm dependent on you, Jesus. And what are you doing in the midst of these moments? And then there's these fearful concerns. And in those type of concerns, our focus is different. We're dependent on ourselves and we say, what am I going to do in this situation, right? Where can I turn? Now, this week we had another stressor that was a result of MVI. I'm, I'm, you don't have to share this with the principal or anybody there, but we were there. My, my little boy came home and he had some uh, interesting homework. We were, uh, it was kind of late at night anyway when we got started and he said, dad, I need some help. Now, uh, there's rumored that some people do this for fun. I'll put a little picture of it on the board and and so I think that, I, I don't know how to pronounce it exactly. It's Hebrew for evil, but I think it's Saduka. I think it's what, what's Saduko. I don't know. I, I was just, and so he comes home with this, this math uh, homework. And so we're working on this thing. And I'm a little embarrassed to, to tell you how long we worked on this assignment. And, and I would get it down right to the end. And I'd have like one number that's off. Some of you were already looking up there and you've like figured it out in your mind. And, and this is going to be like an admittance of how high my elevator goes, right? It's just the way that it was working out. So we're kind of going back and forth. And Grant's working on it. I'm working on it. And, and it's so late at night that literally he's sitting beside me on the table. And he's working. And all of a sudden he'd find me like with my head down, absolutely sound asleep. And so I told him, I said, listen, we worked on this thing for hours. I said, listen, and, and, and Grant's like so much better at math than I am. He's like seeing all these things and we're kind of navigating this, this little puzzle. And I said, dad's mind works better in the morning, buddy. Cause I was like, I'm done. Like, he's like, so get me up, dad. We have to figure this out. Right. So we get up like before 6am and, and we're working on this homework and we still, like, I thought I had it. Like I had a little victory dance for like high fiving along the way. And then Grant looks and he says, there's a, there, there's, there's two number ones in that row, dad. And I was like, so I tell him about it at work. Uh, Kelly's like, oh, I have that on my iPad. I like to play that game when I'm like, weird, right? What's wrong with you? She's like, let me see that. In like five minutes, she figures it out. You know, like, then Grant comes home and it gets even worse. He says, uh, let me tell you something sad, Dad. It's going to be really aggravating to you. I said, what's that, Grant? He says, yeah. She said that didn't count for anything. We didn't have to do that. It was just like, I'm like on the way to school that morning, uh, we were kind of kidding back and forth. And Grant looks at me and he says, I said, I hear people do that for fun. And he said, I don't know how anybody would do that. And I said, yeah, that's bad math right there. <laughs> and then it hit me because I'd been marinating in this passage. And I'd been marinating. We're, we're going to be in Numbers 13 and 14. And, and as I'd been marinating in this passage, I was reminded, and the title of this message today is Bad Math. And, and we're going to see some spies that are sent in to scout out the promised land. And we're going to see that they had bad math. And the reason that they had bad math is because there was a number of them that left God out of the equation. And so that's where we're looking today. We're going to look a moment in the narrative of the children of Israel. We've been walking together with them, right? And, and we're going to see this time. It's a time where they're either going to walk by faith or they're going to be paralyzed with fear. It's a time that we know uh, from this side, right, that we know that it caused them to wander in the wilderness for 40 years, a time where they missed it, right? Or at least most of them did, but it cost all of them. You know, we read it and we, we're going to read it today and there's going to be parts of this and we're going to read it and we're going to go, how in the world 
could they do this? And then the more we read it and the more we think, we're going to recognize that we find ourselves doing the same thing. That a lot of times in the midst of a crazy world, we get our eyes on our problems. We get our eyes on the size of our problems instead of the size of our God. We look around, right? We see all the giants and we see all the things that are around us. We look within and we come up bankrupt. We're like, man, I can't compete against all this. I can't handle all this. I can't deal with all this. We look around. We look within. But where we should be looking is up to him. And the difference between those things is faith and fear. There's a story from the Korean War that I love and just illustrates how I believe that followers of Christ should, uh, should walk with courage and faith. And the story goes that enemy forces were advancing and the Baker Company had been cut off from the re rest of the regiment. And so they've been trying to get in contact with them and they've been radioing, right? They've been trying to, to get to them through headquarters and over and over they've been doing that. And finally, there's a faint signal that is received and they're straining to hear each word. And the, the, the headquarters calls out and said, Baker Company, do you read me? He says, this is Baker Company. He says, Baker Company, what is your situation? Baker Company replies. He said, the enemy is to the west of us. The enemy is to the east of us. The enemy is to the north of us. And the enemy is to the south of us. And then there's a pause. And they say, and we're not going to let them get away this time. We live in a world where it feels like for followers of Jesus Christ, you know, it's no longer cool to be a, a Christian. It's no longer something that if you say, you know what, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, that all of a sudden it gains you points in the midst of our society. It grows to be a time where there's a hostility to the faith. And we live in a world where it seems like that all around us, to the north and the south and the east of the west, that there's lostness all around. And the church of Jesus Christ is called to rise up and say, you know what, there's lostness all around. There's darkness on the on the the front there's darkness on the back there's darkness on every side and we're not going to let them get away this time we're going to we're going to march forward with the the gospel of Jesus Christ Amen. because we fight from victory we don't fight for victory in this battle. So we join here in Numbers 13. The children of Israel, mind you, they have, they've been uh, encamped uh, below Mount Sinai for about a year. And during this time, they've received the law. They've received the Ten Commandments. They've been given instructions on the tabernacle. They've, been, uh, they've moved across the desert, right, with a pillar of fire by night, with a cloud by day. They have experienced God's blessing in, in his provision of manna. They have walked through all of those things. And here they find themselves at Kadesh Barnea. They find themselves on the border of the promised land. They find themselves in this kind of moment, a land that's been promised to Abraham, right? He said, he, he said from you, he said, he's not promising that there's going to be a land and there's going to be descendants. He said, look up at the, the stars and count them if you can. And then there's been a promise that's been made to him. It's been reconfirmed to Isaac and Jacob. We've seen God work through Joseph. We've seen him work to deliver them from the hands of the Egyptians. And here they are on the edge of the promised land. Can you imagine this kind of moment? And Moses makes a request. So the first thing we're going to see is the request. Look, look with me in Numbers chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. And the scripture says this, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, 
Send out for yourself men so that they may spy out the land of Canaan, which I, notice this, this is so important. He said, no, he, he said go spy out the, Can, the land of Canaan, which I am going to give the sons of Israel, right? God has made a promise and God tells them in the business, he said, go out there and look at it because I'm giving it to you. You shall send one man from each of the father's tribes. So there's 12 tribes, they're all going and, and the tribe, you send one of them and the one that you're going to send, she's going to be a leader. This one that you're going to send, uh, we want you to pick a leader from each tribe, right? All of them uh, who were heads of the sons of Israel. So the scripture says this, Moses sent from them from the wilderness of Paran at the command of the Lord, all of them men who were the heads of the sons of Israel. Now verse 4 through 17, we're going to skip, but if you're looking for some good baby names, this is not where you find them because outside of Joshua and Caleb, nobody cares about the rest of them or knows who they are. You can read all the way through that and, and, and you're not going to recognize any of them, right? Because they are the ones that because of their unbelief, right, that, that we see the children of God wandering around in the wilderness. But there's an important verse that we want to see in there and it's going to help us as we go along. So in verse 16, we're going to read uh, that there were the names of the men of Moses that Moses sent out. So we're going to see those kind of things. And then he's going to tell us in, in verse 16 that Moses called Hoshea the son of Nun, Joshua. Now there's some important things about that because we don't want to miss this. Now if you remember, Joshua is going to be the one uh, that eventually uh, God, well Moses is going to die. We're going to, we're going to see that later as we continue to walk. Moses, uh, the great servant is dead and God's going to approach Joshua and he's going to tell Joshua, Moses, my servant is dead. And they've been in They've been mourning. They've been upset. They've been mourning for like 30 days. And he says, now get up and cross the Jordan. He says, my mission is not complete. And, and it reminds me that every one of us, we're a moment on the mission of God. God's promises are still true. He is working and he is walking. He is doing his thing. God keeps his promises. And so Joshua is going to be the, the one that God uh, calls to lead uh, the children of Israel into the promised land after this long wandering. And God wants him to understand from the very beginning because his name was which means salvation. But what you need to understand is, is, is that, that Moses says, I'm going to give you a, a new name right here. He says, listen, uh, Moses calls him Joshua, which means the Lord is salvation. And he says, here, God's going to use you, but really he doesn't have to use you. You're a moment on the mission of God, but he's going to work through your life. Now, these leaders from each of the tribes, they go in with some direction. Let's skip down to verse 18. And, and here's the direction that they have. You're going in and you're going to scout out the land. You're spies. You're going in. You need to see what the land is like, right? And whether the people who live in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or whether they are many. Verse 19, he says, how is the land in which they live? Is it good or bad? And how are the cities in which they live? Are they like open camps or are there fortifications or their walls? Is it a walled city? How is the land? Is it fat or is it lean? Are there trees in it or not? And then he says, hey, make an effort and get some of the fruit while you're in there. I'm hungry. He says, bring some of that back. Let's see what it looks like. Now is the time of the first ripe grape. So we see the request. They send them in. And now we're going to see the report. Look at verse 26 and following. It says this. They proceeded to come to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the sons of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and, all, and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Thus they told him and said, we went into the land where you sent us. And it certainly does flow with milk and 
honey. He says, man, there's all kind of good stuff in there. And here, this right here, <laughs> you're not going to believe this. This is its fruit. And, and the scripture tells us that they're carrying it on a pole, like a cluster of grapes. Anybody ever went, like, can you imagine how expensive that'd be at food line? Like, a, like, like look at this picture. Like, I'm talking about you got to carry it between two poles. Right, I, I'm, I'm talking. This is some grapes, right? And he said, "This is the land. This this place flows of milk and honey. The grapes are big. Everything, man, everything there's big. And you know what? Them big grapes do. Here, what we're gonna see? They feed some big people. Is what they say. They all came back, right, with this report. But then, verse 28, it said, "Nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large." Everybody, make your scared face. Some of y'all don't look very scared, but. Take y'all back to children's church. We have to do this. But so they got their scared face, right? Because moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Amalek is living in the land of the Negev, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites are living in the hill country, and the Canaanites are living by the sea, by the side of the Jordan. All the ites, the ites are mean. The only thing that can make them meaner is they had the Itis boys there. Y'all know the Itis boys, don't you? Arthur. Sorry, arthritis. Come on, come on, y'all give it. I know, I know. My dad used to use that joke on me all the time. <laughs> it's a dad joke. It's awful. <laughs> I'm sorry. So they had mean people in there, and they're big, and they're tough, and they all had the same story, right? These are the people that are in there, but the land flows with milk and honey. Look at them grapes. They're awesome. The people are strong. Everything's going on. Now, some of the spies, we're going to find out, we're not very good at kingdom math. Some of, the, some of the spies were not good at it. They had bad math, right? And, and the bad math did not figure God into the equation. And what you see in this passage, here's another little truth that we'll just throw out. The majority is not always right. Young people, you need to hear that, right? What everybody else is doing, that's not what's right. That's not how you define right. That's not how you define morality. The majority doesn't define morality. The Word of God defines morality. This is just the reality that's there. And where God's Word is clear, right? We don't need a vote. We don't need a committee to figure out what we need to do. Where God's Word is clear, we need men that will lead and men that will rise up and say, you know what, we're going to go and we're going to take the land. We're going to go and we're going to walk in obedience to the Word of God. Verse 30, Caleb quieted the people before Moses. So here they are. They're like, people are big. All the ites are in there. Everything's scary. And Caleb's like, y'all simmer down just a minute. Let me talk. Let me talk. I got something to say. There's an important message that I have to share. And, he's, and in his mind, he's probably going like, um, don't you remember like the Red Sea? Don't you remember like the manna coming from heaven? Don't you remember all that stuff? Right? We're the ones that were experiencing all that. Caleb said, you know what? I know who my God is. And he knew that they've been promised a land. Right? We read in verse 2 of chapter 13, this is a land God is is giving them, right? He, he didn't need anything to help make that decision because his faith was based on the Word of God. And when we have the Word of God, we want to walk in the will of God. And you can't walk in the will of God apart from the Word of God. It's just the reality. His faith was based there. And Caleb said, you know what? I just trust in God. Look at verse 31. But here's where it gets weird, right? He says, but the men who had gone up with him. Now, we know from chapter 14 that this did not include Joshua. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go against these people. We can't handle these people, for they're too strong for us. So they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report of the land, which they had spied out, saying, 
It's a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people who we saw are men of great size. And there we saw the Nephilim, right? And we, we, we became like grasshoppers in our own sight, right? They lost confidence in, in the word, in God working through them. They, they lost it. They were grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight, right? This is a grasshopper in this context would have been the smallest edible living creature, right? They would have been there. And so it'd be like us saying like we were shrimp in the midst of their uh, sight. That's all we were. So here are these leaders, these people that have been set apart that God uh, has asked them to appoint. So these people that represented every tribe and these leaders, 10 of them come back and they give a bad report. Now I can imagine how this is looking. Not only do they give this bad report uh, to the, the, the group there with Moses, but they begin to spread that bad report among all the people, right? They begin to give this out. Like I picture them, they're like on the phone, right? They're like, um, giants in Canaan. Did you hear? Then that person getting on the phone and they're like, yeah, there's giants in Canaan and they're eating up the inhabitants. They're, they're, they're killing people like crazy. They are nuts. Yeah, seriously. No giants in Canaan. For real. For real. Yeah, they're killing people by the thousands. And then I can imagine like if it was modern day times, they'd have got on Facebook. And then they, when they got on Facebook, things would have got weird. I started a post. I didn't post it because people thought I was crazy. But here it is, right? Uh, giants in the land. Giants in the land. Please share. Hashtag. Anak. Right? The big people. I mean, this is crazy. The land eats up its inhabitants. Share this is getting crazy and then somebody probably had their camera and they took a little selfie and they're like selfie with Bigfoot in the land in Canaan land here he is here he is he's crazy he's crazy put it on Instagram put it on Instagram share it to a reel I've got to make something and here's all these things somebody snapchatting all the things are there the giants are in the land this is where we're at oh and then the news networks get it every news network it don't matter what you turn on giants in Canaan there's giants everywhere Bigfoot is in Canaan land and he's coming after everybody listen it's bad reports and what we know about bad reports what we know about bad reports is they spread like wildfire. That's what we know about bad reports. And so we got to be careful as followers of Jesus Christ what report we're given. Is it a report of fear? Or is it a report of faith? Right? And we got to be careful as followers of Jesus Christ who we're going to let breathe into our life all the time. What reports we're going to be listening to. Because if you listen to something long enough, it'll get in your mind and you'll begin to believe it. Listen, we see the report, right? We see the request and then we see the revolt. Look at what happens in chapter 14. Beginning in verse 1, it says, Then all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. They're big in there. They're scary. All the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. They're like, man, these guys, are, they took us here to, to let us die. The whole congregation said to them, would that, would that we have died in the land of Egypt? Or would that we have died in the wilderness? Why is the Lord bringing us to this land to fall by the sword? Why has God brought us here? Why has God done that? And then, then they start making excuses. They're like our wives and our little ones. They're going to become plunder. They're, they're going to take them. And, 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 you know, we make excuses for our fear. That, that's what we do. We try to justify it. And we try to add data up to justify why we're afraid. They say, would it not be better for us just to return to Egypt, right? They're, they're willing to trade comfort for the call of God because they're scared in these moments, right? Because their eyes are not on the Lord. Their eyes are not on the promises of God. Their eyes are on the problems that are around them. So they're, they're ready to go back to Egypt. They said, let's just get a new leader. Let's, let's do this. Let's appoint a leader, verse 4, and return to Egypt. Now let's see what the result is. So we've seen 
the request. They go in to spy out the land. We've seen the, the report. They come back and give. We've seen the revolt that comes because of, of just the way that this discord is spreading, the way that this bad news is spreading. And then we see the result. Verse 26, Scripture says this, The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation who are grumbling against me? I've heard the complaints of the sons of Israel, which they are making against me. Say to them, As I live, says the Lord, just as you've spoken in my hearing, so will I surely do to you. Your corpses will fall in this wilderness, even all your numbered men, according to your complete number from 20 years old and upward, who has grumbled against me. Surely you shall not come into the land which I swore to settle you, except for Caleb and Joshua. Verse 31, he says, your children, however, whom you said would become prey, I will bring them in and they will know the land which you have rejected. But as for you, man, this is a heavy passage, right? As for you, your corpses are going to fall in the wilderness. That's serious. Your sons, now, now understand something, parents. Our lack of faith, it doesn't just affect us. It affects the next generation, right? There, there were a lot of people that suffered because of the decisions of uh, these people, right? It says, your sons shall be shepherds for 40 years in the wilderness, and they will suffer for your unfaithfulness until your corpses lie in the wilderness. According to the number of days which you spied out the land, 40 days, for every day you shall bear your guilt a year, even 40 years, and you will know my opposition. What about those 10 spies? What about those guys? What about, the, what about them? What happens to them? Look at verse 37. Look at verse 37. He says this, even those men who brought out the very bad report of the land died by a plague before the Lord. Now, this is serious, right? This is crazy. And here's what we see in Hebrews chapter 3. It says that they were not able to enter. It's talking about this, this, this scene here. And he says they were not able to enter because of unbelief. So what do we get from all this, right? What, do we, what does God want us to lean into in the midst of this? Right? We know as we read this passage, right, that God is faithful. That God can be trusted. That his promises are true. And our unbelief, it leads us to wander in the wilderness instead of experiencing the abundant life that God has for us. Now, that's not a life without problems. That's not a life without storms. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. But he said, you can take courage because I've overcome the world. And he said, in lightness, right? In, 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 in light of the greatness of God, we're to walk by faith. That's who we're to be. We're to walk by faith and not by sight, right? God had proven himself. God had proven himself faithful. He had delivered them from Egypt. He had provided them manna. They had crossed the Red Sea, all of these things. And here as followers of Jesus Christ, right, and, and those that God uh, has, has been working in the midst of our lives, our report is to reflect our God. And, and there's two kind of reports that we give. Sometimes we can have a, a report that leaves God out of the equation, right? And it's because of pride. So we say, you know what, I don't need God for this because I'm, I'm strong enough, I'm big enough right? It's this dependence on ourself, right? And that's what the world wants to say. You probably got a self-help book that'll get you through whatever this is, right? You can find all that kind of stuff and you probably need to listen to a preacher that's a little more positive because um, like there's a lot of stuff you can do in your own strength. But, or you can have uh, this report that says, hey, the giants are too big. Everything's, I, there's no way, there's no way I'm too small. The giants are too big. There's no way that I can handle this situation. And then there's this other report that says, I see all this big stuff, but you have no idea how big my God is, right? 
right? That I have a God who is able, right? A God who, who loves to work in the midst of those kind of things. And what we see in, in, in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, we see God's not given us a spirit of fear, right? Or timidity, right? But of, of power and love and discipline. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we can be filled with one of two things. And when we think about being filled with something, if I'm filled with anger, what happens? My anger controls me. We can either be filled with fear or we can be filled with faith. And one of those two things will control us. Now, we'll be influenced maybe by some of those things as we walk in this life, right? But we can only be filled and controlled by one or the other. See, faith tells a, a different story, right? It focuses on our great God. And so we know that. But the truth is that we forget so easy all that God has done. We forget his faithfulness. We'd say, God, we, we can trust you. We know that. But we find ourselves in a world where we're the minority. We find ourselves in a world where the giants are all around. We find ourselves in that kind of environment. We find those kind of things. Bad reports spread like wildfire, and we worry. We think about those things. They weigh on our minds. They consume our minds. They, and when we worry, right, we have faith in the wrong things. That's what worry is. When they looked in and they saw the land, they said the giants are big, and their faith was in the giants, right? Their faith was in the giants. They said, those giants can whoop my tail. Those giants are bigger than all those things, Right? When we worry, our faith is in the wrong thing. Now, it's natural to have genuine concern. It's natural for us to be concerned about things that are going on in the world. But we've got to be careful or it can consume us and it can make us weary. Right? One author said, worry is like a rocking chair. It moves always, all the time, always in motion, but it gets you nowhere. Right? And we read in the scripture, right? Jesus said, do not worry. Right? He says, take no thought for tomorrow. He said, hey, have you considered, have you thought about the lilies of the field? Have you seen the birds? the air. Does our heavenly father not take care of all them? Does he not clothe the lilies of the field? What are you so worried about? What is it are you so afraid of? Right? And here's the thing. When we're overwhelmed and when the stresses of this world come at us, and they will come, we've got to look and recognize and remember that we have a faithful God. We look at the promises of his word. Oswald Chambers says it this way, and I think it's beautiful. He said, the remarkable thing about fearing God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing nothing else. But if you don't fear God, you fear everything else. See, with an accurate view of God, our problems have a whole different perspective. When we understand and we read God's word and we understand who our God is, that we have a God who is transcendent, right? A God who is above all things, who is over all things. We have a God who, who is sovereign and who is in control in the midst of this world, but yet he is imminent and he is with us and he is in the midst of our moments, right? When, when Joshua, right? The Lord is salvation. When Joshua is fitting to go into the promised land and when God is talking to him and he's going to lead the people, he doesn't say, Joshua, your salvation, take them in. He said, be strong and be courageous. And he said, here's why you can be strong and you can be courageous. He said, because the Lord, your God is with you wherever you go. And in the presence of God, we don't have to be afraid because our God is omniscient. We know that God knows everything, right? We know that our God is all powerful, that he is omnipotent. And so he's able to do all things. We know that our God is great. And we know that God is love and that God loves us. And because we know that God loves us and he can see all things and he knows all things, that whatever he is allowing to come into our lives is filtered through the hands of a loving father and we can trust him and we can know that he is good. 
And when we add up our problems, man, it gets rough. And it's bad math, right? It's bad math because when we start looking at all them, we can leave God out of the equation. But when we trust him, as the apostle Paul said, he said, listen, don't be anxious for anything. Now we hear these things, right? The stressless life. Be anxious for no thing. Philippians 4, he says, listen, but in everything, with thanksgiving. He said, God, you are so good. Lord, you have provided a salvation through your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we know that there, it seems like this world is spinning out of control. But when I read your word, God, there's never a moment. There's not a rogue molecule in all of this universe. Abraham Kuyper says that, that God is not aware of and that he's not in control of as he needs. We, we understand that our God is faithful. We understand that in the midst of all these things, that we can be anxious for nothing, but in everything with thanksgiving. That How do we respond to the trials of our life? How do we respond to the giants that are coming? How do we respond? Respond to those things that are bigger than us. He says, listen, in everything with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. He says, he says, listen, with prayer and supplication, he said, let your requests be made known to God. And then he says, listen, there's a peace of God that can pass all, uh, that can pass all of our understanding that's bigger than our mind can get a hold of. And listen, it's something we don't bring in our own strength. It's something we don't have in our own strength, but it's a peace that only God can give. Jesus said, listen, you come, all you who are weary and heavy laden. He said when the world's problems and the big things that are all around you, when they get too heavy and when you don't think you can carry them, he said, come all of you who are weary and heavy laden. And he said, I'll give you rest. He said, I'll give you rest. He said, my yoke, it's easy. He said, you can yoke up with me. You can trust in me. You can surrender everything to me because you can know that I'm faithful. And my yoke is easy. My burden is light. And you can trust in me. This is the God that we serve. And we come in surrender we come in submission but we come confident because we know that the king of kings and lord of lords that he loves us and that God has already demonstrated his love toward us that we're in a state where listen this world's crazy the bible promised that it would be it's not going to be easy in this world you will have trouble in this world you're going to go through hard times but you can take courage because Jesus said I've overcome this world and he said you're citizens of another kingdom he said you're citizens of the kingdom of heaven and it's already part of your life. You can live an abundant life. It's already, but it's not yet. And until we get there, we'll face hard times and the storms will come. But I want to tell you something. Those with a house built on the rock, those that will hear the word of God and do the word of God and apply the word of God, those houses will stand. The storms will come, but they will stand. And we come today like, I don't know what everybody in this room is walking through. I don't know the things that people may carry, but I can tell you one thing, that we have a God who is able to take care of any giant. We have a God that can get us to the promised land. Amen. And I'm looking forward to that day that we'll be in the promised land, that, that he'll take us from this life into the next where we'll ever be with him. And I want to tell you something. There was one thing that kept them out of the promised land. And there's one thing That'll keep you out of the promised land. It's the same thing. Unbelief. But Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but would have eternal life. And we look to him and we live. We look to the cross of Christ 
We say, you know what? There's nothing in my life that's good. There's, there's no way that I could earn my way to heaven. There's no works that I could do. There's nothing that I could do in my own strength, right? Salvation, most Lord, we know that it is a, a work of God in our life. And we look to that cross and we say, you know what? I believe. And I believe so much that I trust him with my life. It's a posture of surrender. It's a posture that says the giants are too big. The giant of sin, man, it's too big. It's too big for any of you. We can't overcome it in our own strength. It's too big. The law couldn't let us do it, right? We could never get it right. But Jesus came and he got it right. He fulfilled every piece of the law. And then he died in my place. And when I looked to the cross and I said, I believe. God, what you did on the cross of Christ, it counted for me. I believe and I surrender and I trust you with my life. And he fills us with the power of his spirit. Fills us with his spirit. And he enables us in his spirit to walk by faith. And like Joshua, we can be strong and courageous. Neither be thou dismayed for the Lord your God. Listen, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, that Jesus is in you and with you. The Spirit of God lives in us. He said, the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. A dear saint that did a funeral for a season back, I read her notes that she had been making for a Sunday school class. She was an adult Sunday school teacher. And she had written in there, she said, I am indestructible until Jesus calls me home. And I want you to understand something. We don't have to be afraid. We can walk in faith. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you, Lord, that we can walk by faith. Lord, that you are faithful, Lord. And we, whatever things are weighing in on people that are gathered in this this moment, Lord, I pray, God, God, that in the power of your spirit, God, that you will help us to be courageous, Lord, that we might not be dismayed at anything that is around us. Because, God, we know that you are great and we know that you are good, Lord, and we trust you with every part of our life, Lord. And may we uh, express that, God, as we worship today, Lord, as, as we sing together, Lord, if there's someone here that doesn't know you, Lord, uh, Lord, unbelief will keep them from the promised land. They will keep them from heaven. But, Lord, if they'll look to you, God, and they'll believe and trust not in their works, not in anything they could do but in the finished work of the cross, that, Lord, you would save them. You would forgive them of their sins, God. Lord, as we repent of our sins, as we trust you for salvation, Lord, you save us and change us. You give us your spirit, Lord, that empowers us to walk in this life. And Lord, I pray that we could be a people of good report. God, that we would be people, Lord, that as we leave today, Lord, as we, uh, as we go from this place, Lord, that we would be a people Lord, that would not be spreading discord and that would not be spreading a bad report, Lord, but that would be people that are filled with faith, Lord, that no matter what uh, is around us, no matter what uh, is, is in sight of us, Lord, that, that we would trust you, Lord, that it would be communicated in word and deed. Lord, do what only you can do in our midst. Lord, help us to be obedient. Lord, may there be some people in this room, God, that might need to lay something down this morning. God, that might need to lay something down at this altar. Lord, we recognize, Lord, that we are called, Lord, to come all who are weary and heavy laden. Lord, and in you, we find rest. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand?